That was fast. Um, go ahead and have a seat. I just want to uh, read a couple things to you this morning before we, as we get started. How's that? So, um, so this morning our our prayer ministry team was spending some time just asking God for uh, for some direction for this morning's service. And, and so this is what this is what they they wrote down. This is what they believe God was saying. I think it's fitting for this morning. And and as I read these things. Um, if, if any of these apply to you, um, at the end of service, we have a time where you can, you could come in and receive prayer or just, you know, just come up and ask somebody to, to engage with you and ask, you know, ask God to join with what you're, what, what's going on in your life. So, so here's, here's the first um, word that was written down. It says, it says, someone is nervous because Mother's Day is an opening wound and, and that you feel sick to your stomach. So, so Mother's Day happening is not an exciting time for you, but it, it brings up some, some, some pain. And so um, the word is that God is the healing bomb, that, that through God, he can bring healing to whatever that wound is that Mother's Day brings up. Second, um, somebody saw a picture of a daisy. You remember, you know, as a kid, you would take the, the flower, he loves me, he loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. And, and here's the picture. The picture was that, that with your relationship with God, you're not confident in the fact that he loves you unconditionally. And so you play that he loves me, he loves you not game. And, and the encouragement was that the only, the only line with that with you and God is he loves me, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. You get that picture? So, so if that's you, if, you just, if, you've, if you've been a person that you're just not sure, does God really love me? The, 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 the encouragement this morning is he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Um, if any of those two apply to you, I want, I want to encourage you to just be bold, be brave, and, and come up at the end of service and receive prayer. This, there's a last one, and it's, it's, it's for physical healings. And, and so the, the people who come up here at the end of service want to pray with you. If you have an issue with a knee and, you, and you're having some pain in the knee, um, did, is that a response I see back there? If you have a pain in your knee, come up and receive prayer at the end. And, and let's just believe that God will heal, heal your knee. And then, um, and then somebody with a, a pain or an issue with your right hand or your right arm. If, if you're dealing with something in that way, then, then we, we believe God heals. We believe God shows us his love through bringing his healing power today. So, so would you be, be um, bold enough to walk forward and say, hey, I have a pain in my knee, or I have, I have uh, my right hand needs prayed for, and let us pray with you at the end of service. So happy Mother's Day, moms, and uh, we're just here to celebrate you. We're um, taken today to celebrate, you know, just what you do in our lives. And, 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 and we're going to extend that, like Mara said, we're celebrating women and, and, and women's position in the kingdom of God. So we, we made a video. We didn't make a video. We bought a video. Watch this video. My mom. My mom. Mommy. <laughs> My mom is amazing. Love that woman. My mom is... She came to this country from Guyana, South America. She was one of those unfailingly nice people. A saint. Yeah. She's super nice. She is the nicest person I know. She is so fierce. She's about like this tall. She's one of the most hardworking, one of the most beautiful, brilliant people I've ever met in my entire life. She's very frugal. Uh, we used to joke about 
her saving mayonnaise jars and tinfoil. I remember many times that she would tell me that we weren't friends and it was okay. <laughs> Something that I love that my mom did is how she made our home a sanctuary. What are all the Bible things we can say about her? She's she a Martha and a Mary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Always smiling. Always giving up herself. Even when she's frustrated as all get out. She still has such a peaceful spirit about her. Things that drive me crazy. <laughs> I feel like this is an easier question to answer. She thinks she's right. I think I'm right. She's always actually right. Most common misconception would be that it was just simple to be a mom and to be a stay-at-home mom. I can't even imagine what it's like to be a mother. And I just flat out always thought that she was trying to get me. Oh my gosh, some other family members, like I felt like their moms let them do anything. My mom wasn't me. She just knew what was in my best interest and wanted me to have a better life than what she had. I did not recognize her strength as I was growing up. Now as I look back at our family and I realize everything that she invested into me. Leaving her country at 18 years old and coming to the United States and she just, she worked so hard to provide for our family. She literally lived her life in a way that allowed her to be a good example and model Christ-likeness. If I were talking to the kid version of myself, I would say, love her. Mothers always remember, and I would definitely tell little kid me to maybe shut up once in a while. Show her the gratitude and uh, the kindness uh, that she deserves. That she loves you, but there are going to be times that she fails because she's human. And that it's okay. If my mom were here right now, um... I would tell her that I loved her and that I appreciate all that she did. I tell her I love her with everything in me. Thank you for showing me how to to work hard. Thank you for showing me how to love. I learned that from the way she loved my siblings, me, my father, her parents. She should know that she's beautiful and um, that she should speak up for herself once in a while. I would tell her thank you. Thank you for all the quiet choices, the decisions you made that nobody knew, the hours you worked, the risks that you took, and the dreams that you had. Thank you for everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How many of you can identify with, with what those, those women were saying about their moms, that your mom fits in that bill? How, who, how would you describe your mom? Just 
What, what, when, if, if thinking about your mom and, and some memories that were good memories, how would you describe your mom? Would you say some of the things that were, were said here? If you need tissues, there's tissues on this side. Um, would you say your mom's a saint? That woman's a saint. Things I heard in that is that she's hardworking. She's a good example. She's loving. She's right. How many of you would say my mom was right? Even when I thought she was wrong, she was right. She's giving of herself and investing of herself. Would you say my mom is a strong woman? I think about, have you ever seen those videos of where they attach a man to a simulated birthing machine? <laughs> like to see what it feels like to be in labor? And the, yeah, we all cry. Who's, who's speaking out there? Carrie? Just the... The, what, what goes through birth? We don't, we don't need to go there. We're going to kind of go there in a few minutes. But just, man, women are strong. Are strong. They're strong. And, and we want to celebrate that this morning. And we want to we encourage that. We want to um, just say there's a place for you to be strong in the kingdom of God. There's a place for you to be influencing, influential in the kingdom of God. I want to just say this because Mara said at the beginning of the service, here's the thing. We recognize that for Mother's Day, it can be hard for people. We recognize that some have lost their mothers. Some are distanced from their mothers. Some didn't have the great experiences that others had with their mothers. Their mothers failed because they're human. We recognize that some of you want to be mothers, and you're not yet. We recognize that, that... in every category, somebody fits how we can list. And that can make Mother's Day a tough time for people. But here's what I want to encourage you. Not, not dismissing that, but I want to encourage you that in your life, you know, you know great mothers. You've been influenced by great mothers, whether they're yours or, or somebody else. You, you, you are a great mother. And, and this morning, the hope is that when you walk out of here, that you are encouraged and that through what we see in the scriptures this morning, you, you say, yes, I'm, I'm going there. Yes, I, I, I have a place in God's kingdom. And yes, I, I, have, I have a call. So, so that's what we want to talk about. So, so that, that's my, my hope for this morning, is, is that, that within God's kingdom, that there's a vital role for you to play. And that you have influence and you have strength within God's kingdom. So, so we're going to look at Exodus chapter 1. If you have your Bible, you can kind of start flipping there. And, and what I feel like we need to do before we get to, to what we talk about, because I'm going to introduce you to two women who probably most of us have not heard about that are in the Bible. And, and they, they, they are very in, played a very small role in a great picture of what God was doing to redeem his creation back to himself. And so we, we're going to go in Exodus chapter 1, but in order to understand that, here's a story. You have the, the people of God, the Israelites, and they've been some 400 years in Egypt. And you can read about this in, in, in Genesis. Now think about 400 years' time, what, what that looks like. America, to put perspective, we are 230, almost 40 years old, Right? We're 238 years old as a country. So think about being established in a country for 400 years. And what's happening is the Israelites have grown, and they've prospered, and they've gained in numbers, and they're like 3 million people, and they've established roots, and they are set up in Egypt. 
And along comes this, this Pharaoh, and he's nervous about God's people because he's afraid that they are so strong that they can take over. And so this Pharaoh comes up with a plan. Now, just to understand what a Pharaoh is, a Pharaoh is a generic name for a king or a ruler. It's, it's not the name of a, of a person. It's just, it's like when we say the president. It's just a generic name for, so, so countries have prime ministers or kings or, you know, presidents, Egypt, Pharaoh. That's, that's the name, Pharaoh, okay? So, so as, and that, that plays an important part as we go down through the scripture. But, but I want to just pick up what takes place. So this new Pharaoh comes into power, and he's nervous about God's people and what they have established in his country. And so in Exodus chapter 1, um, let's just read a few verses. It says, Eventually a new king came into power in Egypt, and who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, Look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with, with crushing labor. They forced them to build the cities of Pithom and Ramesses as supply centers for the king. But the more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more the Israelites multiplied and spread, and the more alarmed the Egyptians became. So the Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and do all of the work of the, in the fields. They were ruthless in their demands. So here's the setup. And, and what I think we need to do, if you ever read the Bible and you read that and you think, the Bible can be full of boring stories, let me put it into today, 2018, terms of what's going on in this, in this scripture, okay? So the king is nervous and out of fear, he wants to control a people group. Okay, we've, we've seen this in history repeat itself, haven't we? And his, his brilliant plan to control a people group is to work them so hard that they, they won't continue to multiply. So in my mind, here's what I think the king is thinking. We're going to work them so stinking hard that when the men come home after laboring so hard, they're going to look at their wives and say, honey, not tonight. And they're going to go to sleep. And this is the brilliant plan of this Pharaoh that for year after year after year, the men are going to be so tired when they get home that it's honey, not tonight. And that's going to pause the children of Israel from multiplying. Now, here's what I think happened is I think that the, the, the Pharaoh missed science class. I get this picture of these Hebrew men out working and mixing mortar and bending down and picking up and bending down and picking up. And you know what they're doing? They're doing squats. And these men are, are getting buff and they're getting strong. And as you build muscles in your body, men, you produce something called testosterone. And guess what that attributes to? Your drive, right? As you're doing squats and picking down bricks and picking them up and going down, you're, you're building your thighs and your gluteus maximus. <laughs> That's your butt. 
okay? That's your butt. I can say it. Gluteus maximus, I love it. And those are the, some of the largest muscles in your body and the largest producers of testosterone. So this Pharaoh's evil plan to reduce the population backfires as these men come home and kick in the door and declare, honey, I'm home. This is what this scripture is saying. I'm just speaking in our terms today. It's saying, these guys had babies and were having lots of babies. And the more they were worked, the more babies they had. And so evil plan of Pharaoh, number one, fails. So Pharaoh has this problem on his hand and he has to come up with a different plan. And this is where we meet these two history-changing women. And Pharaoh pulls these two women together And he gives them a command. And this is what he tells them as we read on. It says, The Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shiphra and Puah. He said, When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it's a girl, let her live. Now look at the snapshot of this, okay? You have the Pharaoh, the, the, the person who is of the greatest authority and power in a land, bringing two servant women before him and handing them a whole lot of power to do his dirty work. I, I feel like this Pharaoh was a bit of a weasel. I feel like he, 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 just had to, he was just tr- scrambling to figure out how to control a people group. And he, and he brings these two women before him and he says, you kill these baby boys and that's, that's plan two. That's what, that's what I'm going to go with. We're just going to commit murder. But I'm not going to do it. So here, servant midwives, go do it. Now there's this little, um, like I was reading about these midwives. Um, the thought is, there's two camps. One thought is that they were Hebrew women that helped the other Hebrew women give birth. And then there's a second camp of thought that says these were Egyptian women who were midwives to the Hebrews. And I, I tend to lean into that camp. And, and only because it makes the story greater is that the Pharaoh, if he, when he first appointed slave drivers, he appointed his people to be slave drivers to the, to the Hebrews. And later in the chapter, there's a third plan that he comes up with, and he, he tells all his people. So he, he speaks again to his, his people, the Egyptians. So my thinking is that he would not go to Hebrew midwives and say, hey, kill your own babies. But he would go to these midwives that were Egyptians and say, as you go and do these things, you kill these babies. Either way, these women had been given an authority by the, the top person in the land to do, to, to kill, to do a work. And, and in a natural sense, because of the culture of that time, or e- even the culture that you know, they, they grew up in, for a woman to be having handed authority and power, maybe they could have said, this is a place for me to gain some status. I can, I can be well known. I can I could do something here. I can make a name for myself. We, we can make a mark in history. And, so, and, and they had this, this free ticket to do it. And I just want to pause there and say, has there been a point in our lives where we've been given a ticket to make something for ourselves, to make a name for ourselves? 
I'm sure it hasn't been that we've been given a ticket to commit murder, a free ride on that. But have, have we given, been given a ticket to say, I can do this and my name will be elevated. My social status will be elevated. I can do this. I've, got, I've been handed the power of this and I can change society in such a way. Because this is the picture of what I, I want us to understand that, that these two women were handed. So they had this opportunity But as we press into this scripture, we'll see that they came up with a different plan. And here's their plan. It says, because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's order. And they allowed the babies to live. Now this is why I think it's an exceptional story if they were Egyptian women. I I was looking up something this week on the internet. I found one of these pictures, and you guys have seen these pictures, of in the 60s when they were integrating schools. And, they, and the, some of the first African-American high school students were entering into the, the all-white schools. And the picture I saw was the African-American girl walking in with her books, and everybody in the crowd behind her had complete hate on, on their face. They had been raised in the culture to hate people because of their skin color. And, and the look, and I wish I would have brought this picture and showed it to you guys because the, the girl was simply walking into school and everybody behind them just had, and these were teenage kids that had just hate on their face. And so, so, so what I equate that to is for these Egyptian midwives, if they were, that they were raised to hate these Hebrew people. And yet, and they even were, now they're given authority to, to further that hate with with no negative consequences. But they feared God, so they let the babies live. And that's the key, they feared God. They worshiped God, and that was number one in their life, to regardless of what authority they'd been handed, regardless of, of, what, they, of what they thought would benefit them, they knew that their, their love, their worship, their fear of God took highest place. So when you've been presented an opportunity to gain in status. When you've been presented an opportunity to have authority or social control, when you've been presented with an opportunity to elevate yourself, maybe even at the cost of others, does your fear and your worship of God override that? Are you able to say, it just doesn't matter what what benefits me because I worship God enough that I'm gonna love people and not do whatever that is that you've been presented. And, so, and for Shipra and Pua, they knew what was most important and they chose against the Pharaoh and they chose for God. And that's the end of the story. But it's not the end of the story because because they did this, they had some consequences and they were confronted with their actions. And so we read this, the confrontation. The king of Egypt called the midwives. Why have you done this? And he demanded, why have you allowed the babies to live? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, the midwives replied. They are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we cannot get there in time. They, these women just pop them out. We, it just, it does, we, we can't get across town fast enough and they're born. This is their... The king bought this too. This is how bright this guy was. They, did they lie 
And was it okay that they lied in this situation? I, I think we can, that can be a whole other topic. Here, here's my picture. My picture is this. That because they knew they feared God and because they knew that killing was not an option, when they got the call that Mary was having a baby three blocks away, they got there, but they just kind of drugged their feet. Now, I'm speculating. Actually, I'm completely making this up. But <laughs> let's roll with it. Oh, she's having a baby. Okay, let me finish the dishes. Let me eat. Let me comb my hair. Oh, I got to get over to see Mary. Oh, you darn, you had the baby already. What can I do? I can't kill the baby now because I, it'd be exposed, right? So this is how they answered the Pharaoh. And it seemed to work. Maybe the Pharaoh just thought of the Hebrew women so poorly that he bought this line. But they didn't commit murder. The Hebrews continue to grow. God's people continue to grow. And because these women aligned with God and not the Pharaoh, God rewarded them. And this is what we read in Exodus continuing on. It said, God was good to the midwives. And the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. If you continue to read through Exodus, that, the end of that, that chapter and then to chapter 2, you'll find that Moses was born. Moses was the man that God calls to rescue his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. We know this, right? What would have happened had the midwives continued to follow through? What, what part would they have played in, in the course of history, if you will, with God's plan? But they fell in alignment with God in such a way that it allowed for God's plan of redemption to continue to follow through. And they were rewarded. They were rewarded with families of their own. Now, so I just want to say this. Moms, you may not feel this way sometimes, but your children are a blessing. They're a reward. How many of you would argue that with me right now? My mom's not here to raise her hand. Here's, here's the picture. There's a thought that the midwives were barren women. They could not have children for whatever reason. And that's why they were midwives. They were free, being they didn't have kids at their home to take care of, so they were free to go and assist in in birthing other kids. But in that culture, it was a shame to not not have children. It was a shame. Your job as a woman was to produce babies, and your job as a woman was to continue the family name. And so if you did not have children, even if it wasn't, something you were doing, you were shamed in that culture. And God rewards them with families of their own. Psalms 127, you guys see it up there. Children are a gift from God. They're a reward from him. Consider that with your children. Here's a second and and maybe an indirect reward for their faithfulness to God, that their names were written in the book of names. In, in the Hebrew, the translation of the book Exodus is the, the, the book of names. What's the name of the Pharaoh? 
We don't know, do we? Generic, right? What's the name of, of servant midwives? Shipra and Pua. So for all eternity, we read about these two faithful women who, who because of their fear of God, had influence and power to, to be history makers. It's not a reward that they saw immediately, but it's a reward that we can see as an example for our lives. Proverbs 10, 7 says, we have happy memories of the godly, but the names of the wicked person rots away. I think that's a fitting verse for this idea that, oh, the Pharaoh, the Pharaoh who? Oh, the midwives, Shipra and Pua. So through this story, where does that leave us? I have a few questions for you to, to answer, okay? So first is, have you, have you been a part, asked to be a part of something that went against your worship and your faithfulness to God? Maybe it, was, maybe it was something that you had some huge benefit coming your way, if you did that. Maybe there's some good social change coming your way by engaging. Or maybe your status would have been elevated. Like these two women, how did you respond? Did you cave to the desires to, to, to be lifted up? Or did you continue to worship God? Does your fear of God direct you towards maybe the not so popular position in the world? Are you so locked in and aligned with God in such a way that you, your life doesn't look popular the way the world would say, but you're engaged with God's kingdom, and that's what's important to you. Who are you influencing through your life? How are you influencing people in your life? And what is your plan of action to remain faithful to God? Throughout the Bible, we see pictures of women having great influence for God's kingdom. Here at Branches, we believe women have the ability to have great influence for God's kingdom. We will champion that. I want you guys to be encouraged that when we align ourselves with God, and this is men, women, moms, when we align with God, there's a place for us. When you align with God, you have, a, you have a, a influence to influence people. So here, here's the take home for today. Take home for today as you go home to, to just consider these questions. Are you aligned with God? Is your fear of God, your worship of God, number one in your life? We, we will keep harping about this as a church. God has to be number one in our life. We have to be leaning into God for everything. And, and, and everything about us needs to be about our relationship with God. Are you aligned with God? Who are you influencing and how are you influencing? Because when we're aligned with God, you, you do have that. Does that make sense? Shipra and Pua, two names that maybe you didn't hear about, but you know about now. Their names are written in the book of, of names to be remembered by throughout history because of their faithfulness to God, because they followed God. Go ahead and stand. If you're, if you're visiting here, welcome. My name's Tom. I, I probably should have done that at the beginning. And as a church, we believe that we worship 
a living God, a God that's still active in our lives. And because of that, we, we believe that he wants to engage in our lives. And so this time, as we wrap up the service, we, we, we basically finish with a, a one last song of worship, and then we leave this space up here available for you to receive prayer and to engage with God, just to come and talk with God. And so if, if you have, if you just, if you need God to intervene with you on any, any way in your life, as the song ends, there'll be people standing up here. And I just want to encourage you to feel comfortable and safe that you can come and somebody will meet with you and, and, and just pray with you. And it's, it's not weird. It's not aggressive. It's just simply people that want to want to help you speak with God. So, so if, you, if you fit in that, that category of just being nervous because of it being Mother's Day, of the flower of you not understanding you know, God's love, come and get prayed for. Let God pour himself out on you. If, if you have a physical need, we want to pray with you. If you have a need of any other kind, we want to pray with you. So just know that this space is for you. When the song's done, if, if, you, if, you, if you're through and you don't, you don't want to engage in prayer, you can stay and just continue to worship. The band will play a little bit more, or you can exit out and, and we'll be dismissed. So happy Mother's Day. If you have a chance to be with your mom, treat her well today. If you have a chance to call your mom, call your mom. Tell her you love her. Let me pray. So Father, I, I thank you for just good examples of the Bible. Examples of, of people who do not bend to the, to the pressures of the world, but because of their fear and their reverence and their worship of you, they continue to march forward with you. Lord, I want to be that person. I want to be a person that doesn't flex because culture tells me to. I want to be a person that is pressed in and worshiping you in such a way that, that the things of this world do not have weight on my decisions. But my decisions are always about your kingdom and about worshiping you. Would you make me that person? Would you draw me to be that person? Would you guide me to be that person? Father, I I believe that this is a prayer of other people here. And Lord, as we commit these things, God, as as we engage with you, I know that you bring opportunities for us to to influence others and to love others and to share your love with others. So God, I just pray that through our commitment to you, Lord, you will be blessed, you'll be honored, you'll be glorified, and, and people will find this attractive and want to, want to come into relationship with you and, and experience the life that you've created us to have. So God, we commit these things to you and we ask that you go before us and that you do the work that you want to do in the kingdom and we we will commit to, to following into that path. Lord, be, be, be blessed in our worship today. Father, I pray for that person right now who, who knows that they have stuff that they want you to, to come and deal with. Maybe they're nervous to walk forward. Maybe they, they know that the words were for them, but, but they're scared. God, would you give them just the strength to, to just step out of their seat and, and walk to the front when, when the time comes? And know that that's all they have to do. Give them, give them that encouragement, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.